Okay, ladies, I'm talking to you right now. Are you feeling any kind of change in your body that comes with perimenopause or menopause? It can be a time of transition, but Happy Mammoth understands the journey and is here to make it easier for you. They've crafted Hormone Harmony with a deep commitment to using science-backed ingredients that work specifically for women, ensuring no compromise on quality. Look, I know what it's like to have those hot flashes to where you just want to rip off your clothes, crying at commercials, fuzzy-headedness, low libido, the list goes on. But picture this, waking up refreshed, feeling balanced, and ready to tackle the day. That's the experience Hormone Harmony aims to deliver. Happy Mammoth's dedication to women's well-being shines through in every aspect, from their ingredients to their results. Hormone Harmony incorporates scientifically supported herbal extracts known as adaptogens. The remarkable aspect of adaptogens is their ability to assist the body in adapting to various stressors, such as natural hormonal fluctuations that occur during a woman's life's journey. And here's something very exciting. For a limited time, you can enjoy a fantastic 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ICEBABY at checkout. That's happymammoth.com code ICEBABY for 15% off today. Take charge of your changing journey with Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth. Visit happymammoth.com now and use the code ICEBABY for 15% off. Embrace this stage of your life with confidence and comfort. Welcome to Chillin' with Ice with me, Lori Fetrick, or most of you know me as Ice from the American Gladiators. Thank you for joining me on this podcast where we're going to dive in and go behind the scenes on the number one hit iconic show of the 90s. It's time to get up close and personal on what drove us to be gladiators, what challenges we faced, and how we overcame to reach all of our goals. I know in this first season, inquiring minds want to know, was there drama, fights, hookups? Are we all still friends? What did we do in our personal lives and how are we staying in such good shape years later? Well, stay right here and let's get into Chillin' with Ice. Lori Fetrick, a.k.a. Ice from American Gladiator fame, is in studio. We're going to talk about uh, Johnny Ferrer was on here giving his version of uh, the American Gladiator story. Now maybe we'll get a clear version of it. I know Lori from not only watching American Gladiator, like everyone in America and around the world did back in the day, but Muscles and Mayhem on Netflix, where you were pretty prominently featured. So it's good to see you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's a... The, the thing about American Gladiators is it, is it strikes me as... It, there was, you know, the competition was great and, and, and everyone watched. and it, But now looking back on it... 20 years, 30 years on more, I, I realized it was kind of a time stamp of Americana. It's, it was the color palette. It was the hairstyles. It was the names. It was the style. It was the lighting of this country, LA, you know, <laughs> 1988 or whatever, whenever it debuted, like it was, if somebody said, do you want to know what we were looking like and thinking and how we spoke and how we dressed, just watch American Gladiator. Oh, absolutely. It was like, it was, it was crash TV. It was the big hair. It was, um, I mean, WWF, Hulk Hogan, 
I mean, it was it was an amazing time, is what it was. Um, so how did it? How the whole process happen with you? As far as Mary, uh, getting on the American Gladiators, um, I mean, I grew up in the '70s. Come on, it's like you know, drinking out of hoses and sitting in the back of a truck without a tailgate, and I survived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we all did. Um, and then I got into. Um, I was I was always an athlete. You know. Well, you know, it strikes me because I'm the product of the same environment you you grew up in. Um, I, I just had this thought, which is. We didn't really have entertainment being shoveled or spoon-fed to us back then. There, right. We wouldn't have video games. We didn't have big screen TVs. We wouldn't have 2,000 TV channels and things like that. So your entertainment had to be sort of putting yourself in peril. Mm-hmm. So you'd say, you know, there's a tree branch and it's eight <laughs> feet away from the other tree branch. And you think you could make it if you Absolutely. jump. <laughs> For me, it was all like... Do you think we could clear the patio and make it into the swimming pool if we jumped off the roof? Oh, I did that. That's all we did. That's, but that's I, what I did. I <laughs> realized the entertainment value was seeing if you would be injured or not. You had to just yeah. kind of deal with it. And it was sort of the ultimate make your own fun. But it also it had a downside, which is you could hit the patio. Yeah, but we had so much fun, right? I mean, yes. I, I did. Yeah, I, 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 I'll Come put on, it you to you did. this way. You I, to, I am glad that I didn't have a 65-inch flat panel TV in my room with 5,000 channels being fed into it and a phone that had infinite numbers of video games and you porn and whatever else on it. I kind of feel sorry for the kids growing up today. You know, they're not going to have what we had. You know, like you said, the entertainment, the the, uh, you know, as far as like the lessons learned. Okay, maybe we don't jump off the roof. (laughs) You know, Um, maybe we don't pick the lemons off the tree and throw them at each other and get a black eye. You know, but that. But nowadays, it's like everything is so fast coming at you. It's like their attention span is so short. You know, it's like okay, they'll see something, they'll like okay, next, okay, next. I mean, same thing, kind of like with the documentary that came out. So, I mean, American Gladiators, you know, everybody waited that week. You know, that was the other thing. They weren't streaming, so you couldn't binge them, mm-hmm. you know, like you can binge now. So you wait for that week. It comes out. You get all your friends together and you watch this show. I mean, that was the coolest part going, you know, back in that day. So we noticed that when we did the documentary with the May- uh, Muscles of Mayhem that, okay, my social media started blowing up. My messages started blowing up. But Adam, it was only for like a short amount of time. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, on to the next. What yep. do we got? So how old were you when you got involved? Did you get recruited? Did you try out? How did it work? I actually had to try out. I was um, 27, I believe, 27 years old, um, bodybuilding. And mm-hmm. I was going nationals. I wanted to go pro really bad. I couldn't go to the Olympics. My parents, when I grew up, we were poor. So I didn't get all the coaching and everything that I wanted to you know, get when I was an athlete. Um, going to any type of Olympics. So when the gladiators... What, what sport would you have gone to the Olympics in? Uh, honestly, like anything. Well, they didn't really have softball back then. Mm. You know, I was a big softball player. I started playing softball when I was in fourth grade. I love softball. Oh, my God. I had so much fun. So I was a catcher, third baseman. I had an arm. I could hit. You know, I was, I was that girl. Mm-hmm. I was a tomboy. And um, so when I got into bodybuilding and then the American gladiators came along... 
Uh, Ray Hollett, believe it or not, her and I, can we didn't compete against one another in bodybuilding, but I knew who she was. Mm-hmm. So I watched her, and then all of a sudden, I, oh, I, the show came on one night, and I was like, holy shit, this is so stupid. But mm-hmm. I think I can do this. I right. know I can do this. Right. So saw her down at the gym one day, and I asked her, I said, how do I get on this show? She, you know, she wasn't going to give me any, any information whatsoever. She goes, watch the end of the show, and they'll have all the information. I watched. There was nothing there. But think about it, Adam. Back then, we didn't have the social media. We didn't have all these things to get Google. Where mm-hmm. do I go? Who do I see? Mm-hmm. I literally opened up the yellow pages right. to find out who the production company was. And I walked into the production company with my headshot and resume and said, here I am. I want to try out. And they were like, well, we're having tryouts in about three weeks. Hold on. So I competed against about 75 to 80 other girls. And they were all bodybuilders. And I knew that I had something that they didn't have. And that was when I was an athlete. I could move. Mm -hmm. So the tryouts were pretty grueling for me because it took about three months, meaning that they went from 75 down to 20, down to 10, down to five, down to two. And finally, after three months, I got the call. You know, they're like, okay, show up for uniform fitting like on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy shit, finally. I yeah, mean, it took yeah. forever. <laughs> well, it's pretty remarkable that you beat out all those athletes. I, I was blessed. But I was prepared, too. Yeah. And yes, there's a difference between sort of looking good in your bathing suit and being an athlete. Yeah. So you uh, make it. Mm-hmm. The name is assigned to you? Well, I knew going in that I looked at everybody's name and I was like, okay, I either have to come up with something or they're going to give me something really stupid. So, you know, start looking around going, okay, what are we going to name myself? That's exactly when the movie Top Gun came out. Iceman. Yes, exactly. And somebody, and uh, we were sitting there. You got a little Val Kilmer in you, that, young That's young exactly Val. what somebody said. They go, oh, my God, you could be his sister. Yeah. And so somebody said Iceman, and, I was, and we all just kind of went, ice. And I was right. like, yes, I'll take that. And it, there's a couple things. Uh, one, it was physically really tough mm-hmm. on you guys, especially when they started doing the road show and you guys started touring and going oh, from yeah. town to town to town just getting beat up left and right then there's a sort of sociological part of it which is you're lesbian (laughs) and they didn't want you i don't think they were comfortable with that information out there i guess no they were not so and it's you know it's there is i mean think of the time well i'm 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 saying there's there's a history of this in Hollywood, obviously. Mm-hmm. Rock Hudson's got another beautiful starlet on his arm. <laughs> he's, a, he's, you know, I always love it when they'd be like, Liberace's a confirmed bachelor, right? you know, like <laughs> that. There's precedent for this. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. Now, you'd think by the time we got to 1991 or something, we would have been a little more evolved. They wanted the all American hot apple pie, Chevrolet, kind of just that. That stigma, you know, mm-hmm. that's what they wanted. Right. And so me being gay in that environment, they were just like, uh-uh, you know. And I think really what it came down to was I wasn't that person anyway that like, you know, really showboated it and, you know, put it in people's faces. What really kind of pissed me off more than anything else is they actually came to me and told me no. It's like, don't tell me no. Just just realize that I'm that person that I respect everything. I'm not going to showboat this. But the minute you come to me and say, you cannot do this, I'm like, oh, man, come on. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, I, I that's, get that. Yeah, that's when it was just like, no. 
you know, and that kind of that that's where the, it really did. It just hit a nerve. So what kind of injuries did you sustain over your run? How many years <laughs> were you there? I was there. Um, I did the show for about eight years. Mm. Now, I was pretty lucky as far as like I say lucky as far as injuries. I think I mean, today when I, you know, roll out of bed, it's like I'm feeling every one of them, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I did. I tore a small meniscus in my left knee. But mm. again, the show was to the point to where they were like, if we see you hobbling around, we're pulling you. And right. I was like, oh, shit. Because yeah. here's the thing. If you don't play, you don't get paid. We had no insurance. We had nothing behind us. You know, we signed our life away. Literally right. did. With, and tons of merch, oh, too. God, tons. Millions of dollars. Did you get a nickel off Not it? a dime. Not a dime. Not, and and that, that's where it's like, even on the documentary, they, they do hit on that. You know, it's like, well, they signed a contract. Well, I mean, come on. We're young. We're signing contracts as far as gladiators. You're in the industry. You know how this works. Nothing no, is I, for per. <laughs> I mean, it's I, just here's like for how, life. Here's like an industry contract. I had a manager who uh, was a little unscrupulous. First things first, when, when you show up, you're just a babe in the woods. Yeah. You have no idea. It's literally bright lights yes. and big city and stuff. And you'll sign anything. Number yeah. one. You want to be two, on the show. You don't know attorneys and people that can vet these things and you, and you, you sign. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a manager and the deal was you sign a five-year contract, which I did. And in the contract, it stipulates that it automatically renews for another five years <laughs> with, with a one month grace period that you'll never remember. So imagine, especially, and by the way, this is before everyone had a computer and, mm-hmm. and that. You would have to buy a calendar that went ahead five years. <laughs> Did they even make them back no, then? <laughs> no, there, nothing exists. You'd have, to, you'd have to essentially take a big note to yourself mm-hmm. that said, you know, it's, it's 2000, no, it's, uh, it's 1995. In the year 2000, <laughs> In March, yeah, you got to see if you want to re-up. And by the way, the manager is un- under no obligation to say to you during that month, um, hey, how do you think things have been going? Because we're at the end of the first five and it's going to renew for another five, in which case I would have said no, but I wasn't made aware of it. It rebooted. And it's essentially a 10-year contract, which is illegal. Mm -hmm. So you go, 10-year contract's illegal. Do a five-year contract that renews for five years automatically (laughs) without any warning. And he's not going to say anything because he wants his percentage. Right. (laughs) And when you say to people, like I say to people, that just seems like a clear violation of labor law. You couldn't do this if if you ran a a factory where he had a bunch of people on the floor processing chickens, people would be outraged. You couldn't have this, <laughs> right? And the answer I got was, nobody feels sorry for you. Right. And I'm like, why do you have to feel sorry? I'm not saying feel sorry for me. I'm just saying apply the law. They're like, you signed the contract. Yes. It's like, come on. I, I know. And the problem is, is most people you're asking to feel sorry for you has never had a lunchbox with their likeness on it well, so and it's funny that you cry say you that. a river right because all the 
all the messages I get after that uh, documentary is like, I'm so sorry you didn't make any money. I'm so sorry you didn't get this. I'm so sorry you didn't get that. And it's just like I said to somebody, I go, God, if I had a nickel for every single person that has said that to me so far. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like we're signing these contracts. We, You're right. We're a babe in the woods. We don't know. But you're just you're just ready to sign. And for in perpetuity is just like, no, that's absolutely for life. And that's why it's like, you know, when they talk about, well, you guys want to do something outside the show. You can't use your character's name. You can't use anything. And it's just like they handcuff you. And it's just like, this is really stupid. This is insane. Why? How can they do this? Even like if you think about it, when we signed our contract back then, there was no Internet. There was no streaming. We have a channel on Pluto right now, the American Gladiator channel, that's literally airing our shows back to back to back. You would think that we would try. I mean, to get our residuals off of that was an absolute joke. I mean, it was like ridiculous. We were fighting for everything that we could get possibly get. What was the contract for? How much money did they pay you back in the day? Um, okay, well, that was before after and SAG merged. Mm-hmm. I mean, before yeah, it was before. So I was after, and I think I got like four hundred dollars a show. Really? That was it. Biggest show in absolutely. Well, I mean, it was biggest huge. in the country yeah. and internationally. Yeah. And then and then I hear this. I hear four hundred a show. I hear the gentleman that came on, you know, your show before me. He goes, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Um, he was like, well, I mean, they made $20,000 for three weeks. Oh, Johnny Ferrara. It's like, are you kidding me? No. It, first of all, I think he said it was two weeks. It wasn't two weeks. Um, it was, we were doing two shows a day and it was for a good six weeks, you know, and it's just like 20 grand. Let's really put that in perspective here. That was just the most insane, ridiculous amount of money. So you got 400 bucks a show. 400 bucks a show. And you do two a day. Yep. And how long would the season be for? Um, They had 21 shows. They did Mm -hmm. 21 shows. And so, therefore, they would, like, air them and then they'd rerun them. Um, I think at the end of the day, by the time I got my residual checks, I think I made maybe 45 grand that year. Oh, man. Right? You know, and then then if we wanted to go out and do any kind of personal appearances or anything like that, Mm -hmm. it was always um, you had to go through the show. It was either a no or we just went out and did a bunch of shows anyway, as far as like personal appearances and meet and greets. But we could never use our uniform. We could never use the name Ice. Now, today, we have to use formerly known as. Right. You know, but so there's there's like little loopholes around things for sure. Um, so after the show comes to an end, I mean, you want to talk about, or, or, you know, the highest of the highs mm-hmm. leading into sort of nothingness. <laughs> exactly. And it's a weird experience. Right. I've had a little of it in my life. Um, you know, most people go through life somewhere in the middle of, of life mm-hmm. and um, you work at the same place. You, you pick up a skill and there's you move from job to job sometimes doing the same job, but it's not a wow, are you getting a lot of money and wow, you're getting a lot of fame and a lot of attention and then a sort of now you're doing nothing. Right. Uh, but that that is how show business can work. It doesn't always have to work that way, but it certainly can work that way. And so for you, when it ends, you seem put together well mentally and emotionally, <laughs> but 
for others, there's drugs and there's kind of spiraling and there's yeah. divorce and there's everything else. Uh, how, how do you handle it when it I ends? I mean, it's, it's interesting because coming off of the tour, for instance, the six-month tour, we hit 126 cities. You have places like we sold out Madison Square Gardens, right? Which holds what nineteen thousand people, I believe. Yeah, you know, so you you run out and you have people chanting and cheering your name, and you hear the roar of the crowd. And so this was happening night after night after night, and it was a high. It really was. I mean, it was just an amazing journey on that. And then you go back to the show, and then you still have the cameras, the lights, and then when that ends, basically the way. Uh, to be honest, we didn't even have an ending, let's say. It wasn't like, okay, we got a letter in the mail or we got a phone call. By the way, this is our last season. We went from the tour to the show to actually filming the show to doing the live show in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. When we were in Orlando, Florida, we were doing like a show a night. It was a dinner theater. And then um, probably about six to seven months, I would say after that, we walked in and there was chains on the door. Like, of the Orlando, of the Orlando live, like right. nothing else. We walk in there. I mean, we can't even get into the venue. No phone call, no letter, no nothing, and that's how the show ended, literally. Yeah, I, I've said it once, but I will say it again. The only true part about somebody talking about show business is like you know everyone's full of shit in show business, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they go, you know, we're. Um, uh, we're getting divorced, but it's amicable, and you know we're both we're 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 we're, we're not we're only getting divorced because we're going on separate journeys or like right. some bullshit. Whatever. Somebody got caught exactly. fucking somebody else exactly. or whatever it is. It's it's all yeah bullshit, except for the one story that they do tell a lot in show business, and this one is always true. It seems unbelievable, but it's true. They go. I found out my show was canceled by opening up the L.A. Times and reading that it was a nobody told me. And I always go, oh, come on, bullshit. You're telling me you didn't know before the L.A. Times or before the story was written or before you're sitting around watching Entertainment Tonight and that's how you find out? But that's how you find out. Adam, that's exactly how it works. That's exactly how everyone finds out. After after the show and after all the the crowds and everything else, it's – it was it was hard. It was hard. I went into a small depression. I but I told somebody this the other day. I was like, I only allowed myself a certain amount of time. Like let's to say to be depressed. Yeah, honestly, like the pity party for like right. a couple weeks. You know, a mm-hmm. couple weeks, maybe a month, and then after that, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Let's start doing this. And it's just like, let's start having a gratitude book. Let's start, you know, thinking about what you're grateful for. Let's think about. Let's start writing down what you're good at and what you want to do now. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting very proactive, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like, okay, this is what I want to do next. And it was just like every day I worked towards my goal. And so pretty soon I realized that I was out of that depression, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and all of a sudden it's kind of like my start, my life started, you know, on that journey again. But you're right. A lot of people go down the path and they have drugs and they have, you know, everything else. And I'm not an addictive person. So therefore I did not get addicted to the drugs. You know, I tried and I played, but you know, it wasn't the 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 downward spiral to what you're talking about. It was pretty wild times on that tour bus, <laughs> as chronicled in the doc. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a woman, but not being heterosexual, you wouldn't get sucked. Wait, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. You wouldn't get sucked into 
banging around with the male gladiators, but there were the females on there as well. Okay, so, I mean, yes. There was only one gladiator. There was only a couple gladiators that hooked up together, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And it it was like a family, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, no, I don't want to bang my brother. I don't want to bang my sister. (laughs) You know, I don't want to go there. Um, So it was like, you're right. The tour was, you know, I'm going to take this from Nitro, and that's sex, drugs, rock and roll, and we're going to come to a city and kick your ass. That was our tour. And we had an absolute blast. Some of them hooked up, just a couple, you know, and it lasted maybe a month, and that was about it. But, you know, put everybody together. You're, you're, come on, we're 29, 30 years old. The bodies are banging. Your sex drive is high. Everything, you have, you know, people in front of you throwing themselves at you. It's like, why not have fun and take advantage of this life? Oh, I completely agree. I mean, you must have had stalkers. Yeah. You must have had... Groupies. Groupies. Yep. Must have had some pretty frustrated dudes who <laughs> were thinking about something different than you were thinking okay, about. Let's, I'm going to clarify something here, and that is, um, I mean, my entire life, I've, I've considered myself bisexual, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I just, I can connect mentally with women. I love women. I can connect, uh, connect mentally with them. A man, I have no problem. I mean, being with, I've been with many of them, so... When you say the frustration part, it's kind of funny when you say that, because to me, I had the best of both worlds. I mean, mm-hmm. I could choose whomever I wanted. Nice. I just happened to have relationships with women. Yeah. But you could have encounters with men. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, I think women are a lot more fluid that way. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Men, like, I connect with men emotionally, but Not I don't want to see their ding dong. <laughs> I, but I sure as hell like drinking beer with them and talking shit about women. There you go. That's so, that's the difference. So you get out, and is there a renaissance going on with all the docs and the hoopla of the last several months with um, Netflix and beyond of a 2.0, a 3.0, mm. a comeback? What were, I mean, what's in the talks right now? And a definite really potential is a reunion tour, you know, for us. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a handful of us, mm-hmm. you know, which will go around meet and greet, Comic-Con style, questions, mm-hmm. answers, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of fun stuff. Right. I think that Netflix, and we all agree on this, Netflix missed the boat on one thing. And that mm-hmm. was they, de- they didn't do a reunion show. They should have had us all in one room. And then had the questions and answers and, and watch the energy that we had all together. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you put us in one room, the energy is just insane. We play off of each other. We laugh. We have a great time. And they missed the boat on that. They really did. So you, the, the, the party train ends in, you know, 1997, 1997, 98, 97, 98, 98 yeah, 97, 98. Uh, you give yourself uh, a few few weeks to lick your wounds, right? And then it's time to get back on the horse. Mm-hmm. What do you come back to at that point? Um, at that point in time, I was I was developing kind of basically. Um, I was doing a lot of personal training. I was developing website as far as like you know my own personal personal training website. I actually tried to do a lot of different acting, but that again, which is interesting, is 
at that point in time, that's when all the reality shows were coming about. Mm-hmm. You know, Survivor, and I mean, every reality show was out. But they didn't want; they wanted everyday, average people. Right. They didn't want anybody who had already been on television. Right. So I couldn't even get on some of these reality shows. Right. You know, and then you look at some of the B-list, C-list player type, you know, actors and actresses that I saw, and I was like, I mean. What I, one of the Baldwin's did so many <laughs> reality shows. I can't even remember how many he did. They would do like help. I'm a celebrity. Get me yeah. out of here or something. And we take celebrities and we put them in a refrigerator box. <laughs> oh my God, and they right. have to eat their way out. <laughs> and it's like, and now, I mean, they're kind of doing that with the special forces challenge mm. thing. You know, I mean, they, they try to dress it up. Yeah. A little more right. now. But I mean, Dancing with the Stars, you know, uh, Celebrity Apprentice. I mean, I've done all of it. I've, I've done Celebrity Apprentice, I've done Dancing with the Stars, I've done The Mass Singer, That'd you know. And I really just did it for the experience part of it. I, right. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I can, I can definitely say this. If you said to me, what did Dancing with the Stars pay... What did Celebrity Apprentice pay and what did Mass Singer pay? I would say, I have no idea. Mm. And and if they said, Well, dancing with the stars, is it fifteen grand or is it two hundred and fifty grand? Right. I would go, I have no idea. So it wasn't important asked. to you. It was just the experience of actually doing it. I always I did these jobs when I had other jobs. Yeah. I had another job. I I only did it because I thought it would be an interesting experience. I agree. You know, and, and it's also to see the reason I got into radio is because I listen to radio and I listen, mm-hmm. I listen to so much radio. And I just thought to myself, what does this studio look like? Mm-hmm. How does it work? Where do they sit? What do they look like? Because this is, you know, pre-internet. Yeah. You're picturing the guy. Is he thin? Is he fat? You know, it's always <laughs> disappointing. It's always right. disappointing when you always. see the Even if they're good looking. <laughs> yeah. It's still disappointing it's because still it's never. not what you thought. Not what you were thinking when you were you driving your. in your head. When you're driving your truck. But I just did it to experience it. Yeah. Like, see, how does it work? I mean, kind of the same thing with right now. I mean, I do have my own podcast as well. Oh, Chilling Chillin with, with Ice. Ice. Yes, wherever you find finer podcasts. Thank you. Um, and I actually started this because I loved doing radio back in the day with all the interviews during Gladiators. And somebody talked me into doing a podcast. And I was like, I was the same way. I'm like, what the hell? Let's try it. Let's see how it works. You know, let's get the experience. And I found out that I, I absolutely love it. Well, you're good at talking. Which so helps. Are you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I can't. I don't look like you in a onesie or a singlet <laughs> or whatever they. What would they call your uniform? A uniform. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I know, right? Kind of boring. Our, our spandex uniform. There you go. Add God. a little spandex to it. <laughs> so you get out, and then you start thinking about starting your own business. I mean, you you find out pretty quickly that. Maybe ice is distracting to just be cast as roles in shows where you're not you. I mean, dude, I couldn't get casted for the life of me back then. To be honest with you, I was I was so stereotyped that, I mean, I do. I look back. I was too muscular. 
I was. I mean, I look back on that day and I was like, no wonder nobody casted me, you know, in certain shows. I have a good resume. I mean, I had a lot of fun. You know, I did like a lot of B stuff. I did like Renegade, you know, uh, Danger Theater. I mean, the list goes on. But for muscular female back in the day now, they really didn't want it. So I was... You know, really trying to go down that road, that road, but at the same time, I realized I do look back and go, "Okay, I understand now why." <laughs> oh, wait a minute! I'm just I'm drawing a connection now with Renegade. Yes, because there was a American Gladiators connection to Renegade. For whatever reason, you're right. And uh, oh, the connection I think was the um, Branham. Yes, he was. He was kind of like a stunt coordinator. For a short time, by the way, for the Gladiators, because he yes. wasn't there when I came on. The, on when I came on Gladiators, he was no longer there. He was the sidekick, bounty hunter on, on, on Renegade. <clears throat> I've looked this guy up before. I've talked about him before. He's an interesting guy. He's American Indian. Mm-hmm. He's played. He's been like a stunt coordinator and an actor, and was. I don't know what his role. Dawson can look it up, but he was Lorenzo Lamas's bailiff or, or something. He was, he was. I don't in know cahoots. what. Yeah, what he did with Lorenzo. Well, Lorenzo roamed the Badlands on a hawk. Yeah, and I I had the same conceptual problem with Renegade as I had with the A Team, which is you guys were wronged, and now you're on the run. One step ahead of the feds or the military police yep. or whatever. But you choose, instead of a low profile mm-hmm. when you're trying to avoid the feds, mm-hmm. you grow your hair out, take your shirt off, <laughs> get on a hog <laughs> chopper. Uh, and, and by the way, in a state that has helmet loss, <laughs> helmet loss, exactly. no helmet, f- hog, no <laughs> baffles, just guns. Guns a-blazing, there we go. hair flowing, going down the highway. If you tried that in Los Angeles, you wouldn't make it eight feet without being pulled over. I'm just saying, and the A-team gets a custom van, gets a bald black man covered in chains. <laughs> like, you guys would stand out. People Absolutely. would know who you were. Yeah. <laughs> you would be brought down by the people who were pursuing you mm-hmm. super quickly. So... Lorenzo Lamas should have had a short crop haircut. Oh, that wouldn't fly. Worn a cardigan shirt, driven a Prius. Like, he was, it wouldn't work. Yeah. But, you know, you got to you gotta run the beginning of it because it's, it's very homoerotic. But what is the story? He, he, was a, he was accused of a crime he didn't commit. He, like, broke out of prison or something, and now he roams the Badlands. Oh, my God, look how ripped he is. And in that photo. Oh, yeah. Well, that's your That was territory. fun, though. That was fun. That was back in the day. I mean, we got to do all those different types of things. Oh, there it is. It's the gayest opening to any, any TV oh, show. Oh, he was so... Commercial helicopter oh, pilot. Oh, damn. Yeah, he got his license to fly helicopters, and I think he's in New York now, just doing helicopter okay, tours. Okay, that's kind of cool. He's doing helicopter tours in New York. Okay, so That's I'm going to I New think. York, by the way, and I'm going to look his ass up. We're going to be at the New York Comic Con <laughs> on April 12th through the 15th. So I'm going to look up Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah, look him up. He's apparently a super cool dude. Give me a tour. 
Uh, Branscombe Richmond is the name okay, there we go. of there the guy we go. who did the stunt coordinating yeah. at the very beginning of American Gladiators and then yeah. or featured on, on Renegade mm-hmm. as well. It all just seems like a dream, doesn't so it? Much, it seems so long ago, but yet it feels like yesterday. Just so bizarre that that correlation. I mean, I look at I look at the Netflix uh, documentary, and it's like this huge chunk of my life is for everyone to watch, and it's kind of surreal to watch it. And don't you feel, or don't let me put words in your mouth, but okay. when you're watching it, don't you just feel like you're watching it as well? Yeah. Because that's my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's me. I just feel like Thank I'm you. watching. Thank you. Because everybody's like, how do you feel? I mean, do you, do you remember back in that day? I'm like, I'm just watching it just like you are. You know, I'm being entertained, <laughs> literally being entertained by myself, you know, yes. and it's interesting. And it's I, I enjoyed watching it. It was really cool. And it all that footage, as a matter of fact, all that behind the scene footage was my footage. Oh, really? Nobody else. I don't know why nobody took a video camera. But I again, was thinking to myself as I was watching, it's like, thank God somebody captured a bunch of this stuff. But think about it. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all these things to actually very easily capture things. I had the handheld. It wasn't a huge one, but it was a small handheld. And so that's why everybody, it was all rickety and everything all over the place. No, but it added a kind of texture to it. And it was very of the time, too. So it's like if you had high def footage of it, they Mm -hmm. would have added that texture to it to give it the right look, you know, right. sort of like what they do with winning time, you know, the, the, another series like this took place in the seventies and the early eighties and we have to make it look. look, look that way. It's not just enough to have the hairstyles, yeah. you know, you, the texture of the actual the graininess. The graininess of it. <laughs> so you grow up where? San Bernardino, San Bernardino, California, and, in the Valley. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, you're athletic, mm-hmm. and um, how's your dad? Is he, like, I got a tomboy in my hands? Mm-hmm. I think my dad wanted a boy, and so, I mean, my sister, I only have one sister, three years older than me, complete opposite, total bookworm. I wasn't into school. I was just into sports, and I just did enough, you know, as far as get my grades to play. Um, my dad and I, he took me fishing. I worked in the garage. We played basketball together. Um I was, yeah, I was his little tomboy, you know? So, and he, what was it like for him when you hit um, on American Gladiators? I, to this day, I don't really think my, my mom comprehends, like, what I've done. My dad passed away about five years ago um, from lung cancer. But he, I mean, I could tell, it wasn't talked about a lot, but I could tell when he talked to his friends and pulled out the American Gladiator photos. It was like, yeah, this is my daughter, you know? So amongst his peers and his friends, he was, um, he was very proud. I could tell my mom, she does the same thing with all her church groups and everything, you know, but even when I was, you know, the, the Netflix documentary came out, I mean, it took her like two weeks to even turn it on, you know, I was like, mom. And then, then as she was watching it, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, this was really cool, Lori. I'm so proud of you. This is so amazing. She started commenting on how people looked in their hairstyles and stuff. I was just like, she's 82. You yeah. Know, but so. she always been that way? Yeah. Yeah. Always been that way. You know, um, both parents, I mean, you know, grew up in an alcoholic family, just like the normal <laughs> back in the day, didn't we all? It seemed like. Um, 
But yeah, it was just kind of different. You know, once I got this, they weren't like, yes. I think my dad, it's interesting enough, I told him when I bought my first home after having the show, I was like, hey, you know, coming off tour, I was like, dad, I'm going to buy my first, you know, my house. He goes, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, what if the show ends? I go, what if it does? Who cares? I'll go out and get a job. I'll pay my mortgage. You know, and he was so concerned. Yeah, I had the same conversation when I bought my first house. Like, what if the show ends? I did it after season one of Loveline, I think, on MTV. Just went out and bought a house. Or maybe it was the radio. But either way, Mm -hmm. had a lot of what if it ends. Yeah. What if? Who cares? Yeah, because I realized they're fear-based. Yeah. And the problem with fear-based people is they try to graph that onto people around them as well. They live in that box. They don't don't go outside that box. Well, they live in a kind of worst-case scenario thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you'd be better off living in a world where you said, okay, you say, what if I buy the house and then the show ends the next year? But here's my what if. What if I don't buy the house, the show gets picked up, I buy it a year later, and it's 80 grand more. Mm-hmm. How about that scenario? Absolutely. Or not available. There you go. Right. So it's like, who cares? It's like, I, I also did real estate. I mean, I have a list of shit that I did. But <laughs> when I was a real estate agent, everybody's like, well, when do I buy? It was like, when you want to buy. Well, what about the bottom of the market? Well, we don't have that crystal ball. Is it time for you to buy right now? Then buy the house you want. Well, we were possibly separated at birth because I've had this conversation <laughs> with a million people. I go, buy a house as soon as you can possibly buy a house. Yes. And they go, but what about the market? And I but go, what about it? What about it? Just go buy it as fast as you can buy it. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's just, a, it's the parent thing, you know, but it was good. I mean, you know, um, all the way up until my dad passed away. Yeah. I could tell he was very proud. I know my mom's proud too. It's just in her own little way. She shows it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know it's, it's, but it's so, you know, you have to crack the code on your mom being proud of you. It just seems like there's so much of that. Well, she's also, I grew up in a very, very cultish kind of religious family. You know, she was, not my dad. She Who was. were alcoholics? Yeah, like that. Wow. <laughs> she, pick, she picked and choose. I think she wasn't an alcoholic when she was going to church all the time. And then all of a sudden she'd fall off the wagon, you know, go back to church, start drinking. I mean, it was just one of those things back and forth. That's pretty traumatizing mm-hmm. for a youth. Yeah, it was. Depending on what kind of drunk she was. They were fun drunks. Oh, okay. They were. They'd sit at the table at night and go and get the big, huge jugs of wine. You mm-hmm. know, screw the bottles. They had the big, huge, you know, gallon jugs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, wine before it came in a box came yeah. in a jug. Yes. But the but it was the same deal. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to drink every night and you didn't make a ton of money, you had to go with the jug. And that's how it was. That's so, how it was at the household. And. And they were kind of fun drunks. Yeah, you were they were. They were. You know, it was. It was the. Uh, it was. And I think this is where I shy away today when somebody gets really drunk and they're like, "Oh my god, I love you so much." And it's just hmm. like, "Oh god, no!" I run the opposite way because that was my parents. Oh well, look, you don't really. It could have been worse. You don't wish alcoholism up, upon a child and a family, but. There are different kinds of drunk people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you got the good ones. Yeah. 
There's a couple, couple of them on, a couple of them were on the tour. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Somebody, there was some drinking, definitely some drinking uh, on the there tour. There was some serious drinking on the tour. God, I mean, you can only do that when you're young because you got to get your shit together. Yeah, there was um the next day, right? Yeah, think about it. Back in that time, there was like there was the drinking, there was the cocaine, there was the the quaaludes, there, you know, that kind of stuff, those kind of drugs, you right. know. Um, you know, and there was they they touched on a couple other things on the tour, but you know, they kind of elaborated on it to where it wasn't really necessarily true. Let's say. What you talking about with drug like yeah. steroids yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. They they really elaborate on that, and it's just such a, a bullshit thing on the on the Netflix thing. One of the producers came on, started talking about it, and it's just like, no, 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 that's not what happened. Steroids is just something that people feel sort of righteous about, and I don't know why. It's not like a miracle drug. It really isn't. When you use them, you've got to train your ass off. You've got to eat a lot. You've got to eat clean. I mean, this isn't an over, overnight thing. Right. This is like months, you know? Right. And so, yeah, they do get very righteous about it. Yeah. It kind of bothers me. It's it's sort of, I don't know. It's like Ukraine. <laughs> you know, you, you know, remember... Remember, steroids to Ukraine. Well, what I mean is, is like <laughs> nine months ago, pe- people calm down, but like yeah. a year ago, nine months ago, Ukraine, and all of a sudden every celebrity's wearing the Ukrainian flag on their lapel and they're giving these righteous speeches at award shows. And it's like, hey, bitch, I never heard you say shit about Ukraine 10 minutes ago. How do you, how'd you become because an it, expert on Ukraine? They just jumped on the bandwagon. And they wagon. just went, well, there's an issue. And there's a good side of it, and there's a bad side of it, and I'm going to be on the good side of it. Mm-hmm. So I stand with Zelensky, and I stand with the Republic. And it's like, oh, okay. And steroids were kind of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm sort of sitting back going, look, um, I don't know that there's roid rage. I think somebody made that up. I, I don't know. Th- <laughs> it's actually true. <laughs> I, I don't know how that how that works. I, I If you're a 75-year-old guy and you look like you're 45 with your shirt off, then maybe that's a good thing because a lot of 75-year-old guys died 76, yeah. you, you know? So I never got really righteous about it. You know, it's the people that took it too far. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, it was it was the people who it's just like, you know, if, if you're prescribed to take, let's say, one pill, they the guys were taking four and five because it'd be better than one. Mm-hmm. There is a thing. It is real about roid rage. Tell me. Well, it's because what happens is when you start taking the steroids and your testosterone starts raising, you get a little agile, you get a little edgy. And mm-hmm. so things irritate you a lot easier than they normally would. Uh-huh. And that's really, that's just it right there. Your maybe, patience level is just like thin. There's also a component where you could probably kick everyone's ass now. So yes. you're a little more likely <laughs> To mix it up if someone's getting on your nerves. You, Dude, you know what I oh mean? my God. I have a story. I was I was in, yes, okay. I mean, I, I talk about it on the on the um, documentary. You know, I did a little bit of steroids just as I was doing my bodybuilding and everything. I remember I was in a movie theater one time, and you know those people behind you mm-hmm. that are like talking and they're making noise, and mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie came on, and I could feel my foot just tapping, mm. you know, Little just going, oh rage, my God, they better shut up. <laughs> and I was like, I actually, at that point in time, I'll never forget it, I stood up, turned around, I had a tank top on, I was pretty beefy at that time, and I literally looked at him and went, shut the fuck up. 
And they just looked at me and they're just like, oh, shit. And they didn't say a word. And I just sat back down and watched the movie. But yes, I was I had it in my mind and that I was you're right. I was I was big. I was I could kick your ass and I was about to take you on if I had to. And I didn't care. I didn't even know who was. I didn't even know who was sitting behind me. Right. I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know if they were big. I didn't care. You know. And now that's that's the roid rage. And that movie was Top Gun. <laughs> See the way I brought it full circle. I like that. Chilling with Ice is the name of the podcast, and uh, also merch line as well. Yes. Ice T Shirts. Yes. Dot com. Mm-hmm. That's where you can go. Laurie Fetrick, it's F-E-T-R-I-C-K.com is where you go. Yes, thank you very much. I like that. Thank you so much for listening to Chillin' with Ice. And don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember to follow us on Patreon and YouTube at Chillin' with Ice. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow me at lori.ice.fetrick. I look forward to chilling with you next time here on Chilling with Ice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.